Welcome back. So at the end of uh, our last session, the battle had mostly concluded. The Dwarven King had uh, um, leaped into the lava there, and a Fire Elemental had appeared and began laying about against the enemies. So um, as that took place, Casimir, you had um, come across a little rock creature called a Galeb Dur that um, you felt an immediate kinship for, and it had uh, asked you to follow it into the wall, and so you had done so. And this is when you realized uh, that um, you could actually speak that language, the you know uh, Terran yeah. language of uh, Earth Elementals, and you feel a kinship for them. So you'd been following them. That little guy into the wall, and that's where uh, things ended for you last session. Now, Fenrith, you had been trying to make your way um, back to your companions, not knowing where they were. You were just sort of uh, following the open paths, and so now you find yourself in this hallway here um, on your way back uh, to the west, western section of this complex, hoping to find your companions. Now, uh Towards the end of that battle, before Casimir had followed the Galebdur into the wall, um, these bugbears had been chasing him, and they turned north into that main <coughs> forge room and then slid to a halt as they saw everything that was taking place in there. And Graham, you had been making your way around, um, and you found your you you made you snuck all the way up behind this uh, sorcerer here. And so you and Rohan are still in this main room. Now, the uh, just as a reminder, you had seen, Rohan at least, that uh, this um, hooded figure with the staff had done something that caused like a black rope, energy rope to uh, wrap itself around all of you. And then there had been a massive explosion of a white-orange light from that elemental and that had swept through the whole complex and it was really bright, but it doesn't, didn't cause any pain to you. Um, and after it disappeared, um, this hooded figure also, um, teleported away. Now, Rohan, you had seen the beholder and we'll start with you, Rohan. So where you are, you actually have a good view of the beholder that is, um, slinking away from this battle mm -hmm. and you can you can see uh, him off to the west there floating away as fast as he can go and he gets to a section of this wall and you can see his tentacles or his eye stalks rather uh, moving in um, you know very prescribed motions and you can see uh, his lips moving as if he's casting a spell and a section of that wall that he's in front of, um, it sort of wavers a bit, and then he, uh, you can't quite see from the angle, but you do see him move through that area. Okay. Now, um, let me make sure I didn't just lie. Yeah, we're not starting with you, Rohan. <laughs> we're actually starting with Fenrith. So, Fenrith, you find yourself in this uh, hallway. you got doors on both sides, and you're headed towards the west. Um, so, what do you do? Now, 
as far as what you hear, the whole place is still rumbling and shaking. It's not as violent as it was, but it's definitely still shaking and rumbling. And so you don't actually hear any sounds other than the shaking of the earth. And the uh, feeling that I had had uh, before I crossed the lava again, is that still there? Yeah, it's like, generally pulling you to the west. But as you had entered into this hallway, that, that feeling had, you know, faded. I'll move. I, my, uh, do you want to put the haste back on me? Because I don't remember deactivating my boots. Okay. Unless the beholder has been added to the vindictive kill list of the escaped enemies. It was, uh, what, three or four rounds we had used last session? Okay. All right, so, um, yeah, I'll put that back on you there with six rounds left, and then... Then I'll go to this door that's in front of me and open it. Yeah, so that door swings open, and you find yourself looking in on a small um, smithy, is what it looks like to you. It hasn't been used in a long time, a really long time. There's a basin on the southern wall that... um, made of a rounded uh, stone and you think uh, with the religious symbology on the wall above it that it's um you know used for smithing but also with some religious aspect to it but you don't detect any there's no enemies in there that you can see and it looks like nobody's been in this room for quite a long time okay because it's a move action to open the door right yeah all right, so that that should be my turn then. Okay. Okay. Um, now, who can see these? Nobody. All right, so Casimir. <clears throat> so you're following this little guy. Um, but the interesting thing here is that you're moving through solid stone. And you're not, there's not like a tunnel. You're just moving through the solid stone. But um, you actually find that you can see in this circumstance not as far as you'd normally be able to um obviously but uh, you definitely can see in a in a circle around you probably about 40 feet Mm. which um which is kind of an odd sensation you haven't experienced before and there's no impediment to your movement it feels just like you're walking across an empty field as you follow this thing but it does make it so that there's nothing to set uh, the terrain apart from anywhere else. So it actually, um, disorienting. It is a bit, you realize that you could be going in a circle and you would, you wouldn't really know, Mm -hmm. you know, but, uh, this thing seems to know exactly where it's going. And so he takes you along for about, um, you know, 50, 60 feet and, uh, stops in front of a, a wall that stands out different from the earth because this is worked metal and um, you can't make out any details about it except for that it, it blocks passage. And so he starts skirting around and so you continue following him. Okay. But so far that's all that's been going on for you. It's just following this thing. Well, I'm I'm safe in here, so it's okay. (laughs) I'm real close to dead. (laughs) Okay. Roll on. Mm-hmm. So you're, uh, um, what were you, were you flying or just standing on that platform? Just standing on it. Okay. So here's what you notice. Um, 
Now let me get rid of this token. Now by that um, that uh, magical sigil on the floor, there still remains a uh, um, twitching demonic tentacle arm, and the death knight, the halfling death knight or gnome, I suppose, um, still lies on the floor next to it, not moving. And this hooded figure is gone. But uh, as that, oh, and this elemental is also gone. Now, after that bright white orange light had flashed through the complex, it hadn't caused you any pain. It's hard to tell if it did anything until now when you realize clearly as you look at the bugbear down by the lava pool, he's, he was trying to climb up that wall to get away from the elemental. Um, and then you've got off to, on the right side, this, uh, this halfling on his warg mm-hmm. running alongside the wall. And then this sorcerer still that Graham is sneaking up behind. And then you can also, from your angle, you might be able to just see a couple of these bugbears that were coming in the south. But you definitely hear all of them because at the same time, right after that light flashes, they let out an ear-shattering scream. Uh, just the most up, the utmost terror you can imagine. Um, <clears throat> they're in it just an, uh, in complete panic. And so this bugbear had been making an attempt to climb up that wall. And now basically he's just scratching at it as if hoping that his fingernails will give him purchase. And that's not working. This warg uh, is no longer under the control of its rider. And it just tears off at full speed um, down along this wall. So that's your move. You, or It's your turn. You can see the um, whatever that light was. Oh, that sorcerer has started screaming as well. And it looks to you as though he's um, attempting to disrobe. So now it's your turn. You've got that uh, beholder disappeared in that wall. And uh, as your turn starts and you're looking around at all these uh, enemies in here freaking out, you also get a bright flash. It's not bright, a sudden flash of um, the that beholder from behind it, watching it um, disappear into the tunnel that it opened in that wall from an angle that you shouldn't be able to see. And you notice that the vision you're seeing through is extraordinarily sharp, but also wraps, uh, it, it gives you vision of a wider field than you ought to be able to have. And then um, as that image fades out of your mind, you see that silver raven appearing as if from nowhere from that that area of the complex where the beholder went and it comes to light on your shoulder okay and you can um you've had experiences with this raven before obviously but right now you're getting um almost an a telepathic or um empathic message from it of uh, uh urgency to um destroy that beholder i tried i shot it many many arrows and it just came back to life um was that put him on your list twice or did did we figure out if that removed him from the list actually no it was him fleeing that put him on the okay list. um wouldn't he have wouldn't he be like a net positive total because you already killed him once so he would have one free fleeing no, <laughs> that's not how vindictiveness nope. works yeah, that's not how vindictiveness <laughs> works all right so uh, seeing that Graham has 
that Savage Priest is up above taken care of. Um, I'm going to take a shot, a multi-shot, or a many-shot. Two arrows, one one shot at the uh, Savage Halfling. Oh, okay. Let me put uh, something on that real quick before you do. Stop the sorceress. All right. Um, go ahead. Okay. Okay, so that's a hit. Okay, two arrows. All right. Okay, yeah, so you stick two arrows into him um, now. He's uh, sitting atop that warg and looking down towards the south, and the only thing you notice is your arrows stick into his side. Is that uh, he he doesn't react to it in the slightest, although it clearly caused some severe damage to him. Okay, Um and then I will activate the fly, and I will head down here. This one, this uh, guy down here is unconscious, right? He's not moving. You can't tell if he's unconscious because his helmet completely covers his whole face. Okay. But he's definitely not moving at all. All right. In that case, I will move to a little bit farther away. Okay. So yeah, I'll move to, to here all right. instead. And how high up are you? Um, I'm only going to be like five feet off the ground. Okay. And do I see from here where the beholder went through the wall? You do. And I'll put a mark here. Um, it's not on this map technically, but let me, you see that? Yep. Yeah. So that's where the wall opened. Okay. All right. Okay. So as you come to a light there or you're a hover there, whatever, can you hover? Um, yeah. Perfect. Okay. Light. Um, <clears throat> you, you have a better view of the, uh, bugbears to the south and they're freaking out too. So. Okay. But this, this death knight in his black armor is not moving in the slightest. So I guess you don't, I'm just saying that word. You don't know what a death knight is or that he is a death knight, but yeah. he's not moving and not even breathing. You don't see the rise and fall of his chest or anything. So. All right. Anything else for your turn? Uh, nope. That's all I can do. So I'll uh, pass it along. All right. All right. So Rohan, you um, you had noticed that that uh, halfling and had given no reaction to two arrows sticking right through its ribs, and now um, <clears throat> still not looking towards you at all. The war takes off, and he's running full speed along that wall. And uh, they get to about here where uh, that warg abruptly shifts direction, lands on this platform, and runs right off the edge of it. It doesn't jump. It just runs right off the edge, and uh, they fall into that lava and disappear beneath it uh, pretty slowly. But you can see... Um, You've got just the angle to see on that halfling's face as he's sinking into that lava that apparently he is not feeling the pain and there's just an inhuman panic in his eyes. And then finally, uh, a little flash of relief as his head disappears beneath the surface. Well, he won't have to go on the list. Okay. Uh, Graham. That brings us to you, and now, amazingly, this uh, sorcerer here is starting to take his clothes off, and he's screaming 
at the top of his lungs, not uh, any words, just a scream. It's almost musical in its quality. Like he's hitting a note properly. Um, but he's also d- doing this scream for way longer than he ought to have breath for. Mm. It's sort of disconcerting, but your move. Hey, it is uh, disrobing afford me an opportunity attack? Yes, absolutely <laughs> it does. Question, do I want to take it now or get four sneak attacks? You peppered him pretty good, though, didn't you? Yeah, uh, he's bleeding pretty bad. He's yeah. got some arrows sticking in him. Yeah, I hit him a couple times. I don't. Well, yeah, I'll do the um, opportunity attack. Got to get crazy here. So mm-hmm. we'll fire off with that one. Yeah, that's a hit. Nice damage. Yeah, that that kills him. So how did you want to? All right. So for my action, I saw Rohan leave, but uh, I didn't see where he went. Other than that, he flew off somewhere to the south-ish. So I'll start. I'll move full speed, but still try to hide and move silently in the shadows. Okay. Yeah, so you slink down and you start moving over this direction. Now, it's at this point that um, that voice of Bloodtooth that's not Bloodtooth, that other presence within Bloodtooth that um, sometimes takes control, this one's been in control, you know, for the last couple of sessions now. This is the more benevolent one. Um, you you hear him, it, strongly um, say to you as you move this way, wrong direction. And you, you almost f- feel a physical tug back the other way, but you don't. I mean, you're still under your own control. So, But it, it does feel momentarily as if something jerked you back. What's wrong with this direction? I gotta go heal Rohan. Uh, Rohan can see after himself. There's something more important for you to take care of. It's time for a choice. Have to wait till my next turn. <laughs> yeah, it's a this will this will like take place as you start to move. So if if you want, you could stop your movement and go back the other way. It's up to you. Yeah, I'll take the one move action and like I had the little mini conversation with it and then I'll use my other one to to do the right thing. So yeah, so you got to about here. So so where are we going? So in your um in your mind, you clearly uh see a path laid out before you back through that that door across the way and then into the the room south of it. Okay. So go 30 feet. And that's it for me. Okay. All right. So then, let's see. You don't belong here. All right. So then uh, nobody can see. You wouldn't have see, five foot up. No. You do. Uh, you hear that uh, scratching that bugbear cleric was doing on that wall down there, Rohan. That scratching stops. But you're not able to see what he does. Okay. All right. And then now these ones. Um, on the south, that were coming up the south way, they had skidded to a halt, and now they're screaming, trying to strip pieces of their armor off, and then they sort of, in a line, start m- moving um, in this uh, desperate shamble up towards the north, a little bit into the room, and then over to the right. And then uh, from your angle, you lose sight of them. Okay. Yeah, so they all just start shuffling over, you know, into the room a little bit more and off to the right, and then you lose sight of them, so you're not sure what what they're doing over there. But um, 
they're out of your vision. And then, but you do hear, I should say, whatever they do over there, the screaming suddenly stops. And same for that bugbear cleric down below that was scratching at the wall. Okay, so Fenrith, back to you. All right. So, I'll uh, five foot back. Okay. Yeah, hold on. And I'll open this door. All right, yeah, so you step five foot back. And then open that door there. The north or south? Um, south. Okay. Yeah, so it's easy enough to uh, open this door. Um, they're heavy stone doors, and you can hear a like a, a grating as the hinges move, but um, you open that up, and you're looking into uh, a room that used to hold stores of some sort. You can see rotted uh, bags and uh, dust everywhere, a broken... Um, bed frame, but uh, clearly nothing or n- no one has been in here for who knows how long. All right. And then I'll open the door to the north as well. Yeah. So same story there. You're looking at um, um, smithing supplies, sort of. You got uh, broken crates and barrels. Um, you know, you can tell like some of the barrels at one point might have held oil, but you know, they rotted and burst and there's dark spots on the ground. And then you've got uh, crates that have um, fallen apart, various tools, tongs, you know, smaller hammers and things of that sort. But also clearly no one has been in here in a long, long time. Okay. And that would be my turn. Okay. All right. So Casimir, you continue to follow this guy. Now you've found this uh, worked metal um, obstruction and the vision, the field of vision that you have gives you the sense that it's a, um, like a wall. Okay. And he's skirting around to what you think is probably the west of it. All right. But you're going in sort of a circular direction, still traveling through stone. <clears throat> and that's all that happens for you, except that, um, as your turn comes to an end, you notice that your equipment, your your weapon, your armor, your ring, and your medallion are starting to vibrate. No, oh, no, I can't survive. <laughs> and this is, uh, you don't, as, as you realize it, then you realize that it might have been going on for longer than you think. The earth continues to shake ever so gently, but um, it, it could have masked the vibration from your stuff, but you definitely feel it now. Okay. Um, and then Rohan. So you're looking at this, uh, this, ha- this small character here in his black armor laying on the ground, not moving, not breathing. And you had seen red eyes, red dots really peering out from that helmet before, but you're not seeing that now. Okay. So as you look at this armor, um, at this up up close like this, you do realize how wonderfully well-made it is. And every single square inch of it is actually inscribed with um, runes and, you know, symbols, hieroglyphs of, of all sort. Okay. Um, I'll do a five-foot kind of drop down to the ground as I move forward and then do a coup de gras on him. <laughs> just to make sure? Yeah, just make sure he's dead. You know, like put my foot on the back of, on his helmet to lean his chin back and get an arrow up underneath and 
Don't forget to eat as much of the tentacle as you can. So that way we can have some spell components. <laughs> we'll dimension door it out of your gut. Uh, hmm. that, I guess that would take a move action. <laughs> to, well, I was thinking of just grabbing it as I ran by on my next turn. But All right. So uh, <clears throat> what would that damage be? Um, well, it's a critical. So what are uh, you doing the coup de gras with? With my bow. Okay. So it'd be 3d8 plus 2d10 plus 2. Actually, he's a goblinoid, so plus 4. Mm, or no, he's he, a halfling. He's he? not a goblinoid. Okay, halfling. So yeah, plus Based two. on his size, you you actually, based on his size, he could be a goblin. Yeah. And the only other person, the only thing you've seen that this size besides goblins would be those your, your halfling friend that you guys met. And those are war graders that we've been killing. Right. But still, it, it doesn't really matter. I'll, yeah, so what's that total? Total it up for me. Um, well, uh, it says I roll a critical damage and then... Yeah, I don't want... Just give me the max. Uh, max would be 46 damage. So he'd be doing a, a fortitude save against 56 or 54. Okay. Or no, 56, yeah. 10 plus the damage. All right. Der. Okay. All right, so yeah, you step up there, and what you gonna shoot through the eye slit on his helmet or something? I was gonna like put my foot on it on his helmet to lean it back so I could get up underneath the chin and shoot it up into his brain. Okay, yeah, so no problem there. You you know move his head. There's no resistance, and that arrow sticks like almost completely through. It doesn't quite come out of the top of his helmet, but um, it, most of that shaft sticks into his head there. And, okay. uh, you get no reaction from it. Just continues to lay there. Silent and still. Okay, that's all I can do to ensure he's dead. Uh, I remember when we fought the giant creature, and I think everyone was arguing whether or not we should coup de gras something. Yeah. I like the, how the times change on a character. Yeah, especially against these creatures. All right, so Rohan, as you do that, and you're looking at your handiwork there, you notice that your bow and your weapon, your ring, your amulet have started to vibrate. And then, Graham, that brings us to you. Okay, so I'll move up towards that door. Right, you said back into that center. Yeah. Room. And uh, I think that's as far as I can get. But I'm not even that far. There we go. All right. So you move over there back towards that door, and you, you reach the door. And as you're um, pushing your putting your hand forward to open it, you notice that um, your armor and your ring and your amulet started to vibrate wildly. And Bloodtooth is not vibrating in the physical world, but there is an enormous vibration going on in your head right now that, that's tied to Bloodtooth. Okay. I do still like how like all the rest of us are almost cut to pieces and Graham's like got a good scratch on him and that's about it this time. No, you can't. Uh, <laughs> it's a welt, Rohan. You can't uh, anti-magic field away, good hiding. <laughs> yeah. But it's like a massive turn of the tables from, what, a few dozen game sessions ago where he was always the one that was, like, dead or dying. And... Well, it's usually only one hit that gets me there. And the... <laughs> True. <laughs> you guys are, you go through the meat grinder usually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Fenrith, now we're back to you. So uh, you're in this hallway. And you'd open these other doors that clearly haven't been used in a long time. You still get the general sense that you you ought to be going to the west there. 
So does it feel like the tugging is is in this into this room in the uh, forge area or yeah that direction? All right, I'll move in and move over to this uh, to the water with the holy symbol. Um, yeah, so you step into the room there, and now that uh, that feeling angles up to the north towards that door ah, up there. Okay, so I'll change directions. Yeah, so you get up here to this door, and you can see there's a couple of tables that have you know various scrolls and books on them, uh, covered in dust. All right, and then um, I will recast, um, which one was it that I just dropped off? Oh, Righteous Might. Yeah, as I'll recast Righteous Might on myself. Okay. Okay, let me fix that real quick. And then I'll uh, deactivate my haste boots before my turn is over. All right. Yeah, so you recast those spells, that spell, and you deactivate your haste boots. As that should be it for this round. Okay. So Casimir continuing to follow this um, Caleb Durr skirting around. And then finally, uh, quite suddenly, um, you find yourself out of the stone and into an open space. Okay. So we're going to theater of the mind this. Um, <clears throat> so you step out into this open space and you've got flat, uh, bare, natural stone um, floor beneath you and then darkness all around, uh, at the extent of your vision. But this, uh, um, Galab Durr has, um, continued moving. And so about 30 feet away, um, you can see a massive stone, uh, metal studded w- uh, wall, like a battlement, right? And it's about 50 feet tall and it's made of enormous, just enormous blocks of stone that fit together uh, perfectly and then uh, plates of probably steel um, overlapping almost looks like scales in a way okay. on the outside of it and there's some crenellations at the top and then from the top of the wall there's only about 20 feet of open space before the ceiling the natural ceiling of this cavern so uh, and in the center of that is an enormous gate, closed gate. Um, you guess that, well, let's say the wall is about 50 feet high. And then you've got this um, massive gate in the center and, and it's two doors and they're each 30 feet, you know, the 30 feet tall and, um, you know, 20 feet wide. Okay. And you can just barely see the the line down the center where they, where they separate and they're made out of some kind of metal completely. And it's got uh masterful um, carvings. What's um, what's the word engraving mm. uh, over, over the surface of it with uh, um, uh, one is an enormous hammer and the other a shield. Okay. And the Gail Abdur has come to a stop in front of that door and as he does, and you're moving up to him, where she came from is anybody's guess, but uh, at his feet, the cat omen is, you know, doing that cat thing where they walk between your feet and rub up against your legs. And uh, that Galeb Durr, his face, he's got like a just an enormous 
smile as he looks down at the cat. But that's the situation you find yourself in, and that vibration's getting more powerful now. Okay. Um, so that would be at the end of your turn, and then Rohan. So since my fly speed is so much faster than my walking speed, I'll activate my fly and kind of float at high speed just above the ground in the direction the uh, beholder was going. Okay. And I'll do a double move. So what's your speed then? 60. And is the wall still open or? It is. Okay. Then I'll go through it. All right. So you're looking into a tunnel that only goes for about 10 feet before a solid wall at the end. Okay. Then so I'll... you reach that solid wall and notice that um, the tunnel continues just above and it continues vertically for how long you can't say. Okay. I'll begin going up the the mine shaft or whatever it is. Okay. All right, then, Graham. Okay, let's get this door open. Or did I? Was it? I think I closed it. <laughs> there we go. But it it was closed because I think I remember it. Yeah, it automatically being closes. Waited. Yeah. Then I'll move into the room. Get a little bit closer. Yeah, you can feel the pull um, through that door there. Okay. Pulling you further south. That's it for me. Okay. All right, Fenrith then. All right, I'm going to recast uh, Divine Power. Okay. And then I will open this door. I think that is it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you pop that door open and you're looking into a room that looks much the same as the one you're in, just a little bigger. Um, it's got two basins instead of the one. And it also doesn't look like it's been used in quite a long time for the purpose of any smithing anyway. And you can see off to the left, there's um, a staircase leading out of that room. <laughs> Okay, and then that'll bring us to you, Casimir. So now the vibration's picked up its intensity. It's distracting, but here you are standing in front of this massive wall with the gate in front of you. Okay. Uh, I guess I'll uh, ask in Terran uh, if I'm to go through the, the gate. Um, yeah, so you ask that, and, and he, he responds, yes, I can't get through. Okay, I'll try to open it then. All right, so as you step up to it, um, let me get... Where are you? Would... Uh, n let me see, would knock work? <laughs> does it just open portals, or does it have to be arcane locked ones? Knock's still open. Stuck, barred, locked, held, or arcane locked doors. Open secret doors. It might work. Uh, let's see if there's a size limit. Yeah, I mean, that is an, an idea that comes to you as you look at this. I mean, that is what that spell's for, so. Okay. Is there any obvious way to open it? Uh, No, I mean, there's like no handles or anything. Um, I mean, you can. Okay, so yeah, I'll, I'll uh, cast knock, or I'll attempt to. Let's see what we got here. Oh, it's verbal. Nice. So, yeah, I will be able to cast it. <laughs> knock. I'll cast it on the gate. Okay. All right, so you cast this spell then, Um. And, uh, you know, you reach forward to touch that door as you cast this spell. <clears throat> and uh, as that spell completes, you hear uh, like a loud groaning that mixes with the gentle shaking of the ground. And uh, slowly those two doors uh, start opening inward. Okay. 
And so as they do, you look beyond into, you know, darkness. And uh, you can see that this section just inside the door has been built to withstand and repel invaders because it's got the the like an angle to it so that there can be more defenders than than invaders and you look up above and you can see uh, murder holes up there and um on the the walls just inside you can see the um the slits for you know crossbowmen or whatever to be protected in there as they fire out and uh so you've got what 80 feet of vision uh-huh. with your light on uh yeah like the last 40 would be shadow yeah so you can just make out the um the beginning of a like a ramp okay further in there uh, yeah i think i used all my stuff though when uh, moving up to the door and then casting yeah so as that as those doors open like a you know a rush of air blows over you and you also start noticing that aside from the vibration that you're feeling you you also get a sense of um like pain but not in yourself like something up ahead is experiencing pain that you for some reason are connected to okay okay so roll on so now you um, have taken flight and you're following the path that this boulder went down and this tunnel has gone vertical now and um, you travel straight upwards this tunnel that has been uh, sized almost perfectly for the boulder to move through. So it's it's plenty space for you. Uh, whatever means was used to create it, um, it, it made exceptionally smooth and straight circular, you know, path through the stone and it goes vertical. And after that 60 feet, then it, um, flattens out again going, um, to the north. And as you move the rest of your movement in that direction, you come to a, a juncture where it splits in, uh, three directions. Okay. So it can go forward and it can go like northeast and northwest so it's sort of like a you know yeah um so i guess i i used up all my move action so next next round i'll see if i can sense which direction he had gone all right so as you finish up your movement there that uh you know you that raven still on your shoulder and uh does some gentle calling at you. It seems to want to go to the Northwest. It's like you feel it pointing you in that direction somehow. Okay. Okay, Graham. So this voice, um, this, this other blood tooth voice, um, tells you to continue on this direction. Mm, Okay. And then also he says there, you have some hard choices to make soon. Hmm. What do I call you? Don't worry about it. Just keep moving. There's this door. There'll be plenty of time for that later. Does this door function like the other one where it closed again? Or was it left open from my previous journey through here? Um, Yeah, you've got to open it again. Okay, so I'll move up and push it open. And then 
travel a little ways into the room, and that will be it for me. Okay. So, yeah, you step in there. You can see uh, Fenrith in his hulking form um, taking up the doorway on the uh, southern side of the room. Well, Fenrith, so you see a savage elf with blood red eyes and sharp teeth wave at you in a friendly manner. <laughs> That's true. That is, that is what you see. Um, All right. Let me get... Have you always been hiding behind Fenrith when he's in this mode? So is it, <laughs> is it usually, is it a different look on his face now? <laughs> like, oh, uh-oh. This is scary. Yeah, so where are we? So that's Graham's turn. And you still, you, you feel that, that, um, that voice sending you past Fenrith further south. Okay. And Fenrith, make a spot check, please. Do you want in the tower? Yeah. Or no. Do you have my old disguise role, Brennan, or do you need a new one? Yeah, actually, get a new one because things have changed since then. I have plus 10 from the spell. Oh, wait, I don't have to. That's how he'll be able to tell that you're one of us is that you're covered in more blood <laughs> than the bad guys should be. Wait, this is too much blood. <laughs> Fenrir? Or, uh, Graham. Wow. That's what you rolled. <laughs> So, Fenrith, you, um, it's your turn, and you look and see one of the um, elves you guys have been in constant conflict with uh, headed right towards you. He's got a dagger and blood-red eyes and filed teeth. And a friendly wave. He does have a friendly wave. He does wave at you, but this is definitely one of those elves. I like how my 20s work to my detriment, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it always, I think you always get what you're supposed to right. save in like a few combats, right? <laughs> the dice knows when to role play. So Fenrith, your turn. All right. So I'll uh, activate haste boots. <laughs> no. Here's that uh, one shot we were talking about right. earlier. <laughs> what my wisdom tells me. <laughs> okay. All right. So you click on your haste and you move over in this direction. You'd actually be here and so to your left you've got this um staircase leading up and out of the room and then that elf over there what would you like to do um hold on i'm trying to get it to to move here this is where power attack comes in handy (laughs) so i want to move up and initiate a grapple oh grapple this this elf is going to tell me what i need it what I need to know about where my friends are. Okay. So you get up there within reach of them with your extended reach. Okay. Because <coughs> I think I have to wait till next turn to actually yeah. try and start the grapple. Yeah. <clears throat> and then Casimir. So you've got, um, now Fenrith, you also at that, you, you've also started feeling all your equipment vibrating by the way. And so, Casimir, you're looking out. Um, you've got that Galebder next to you and the cat down at your feet. And you're looking at, at the edge of your vision, you can see the beginning of a ramp leading upward. All right. Um, I'll start uh, going to, like, double move, but I'll gauge the uh, Galebder's speed. And if he's slower than me, I'll slow down for him. Okay. Um, yeah, so you start moving in, and he can keep pace with you okay. well enough. And uh, you 
you move in, you start walking up this ramp and you can see that it's also, um, sort of a funnel shape that that's wider at the top than at the bottom. And, uh, it's got, it's really smooth, uh, hard stone underneath your feet. And there's clearly, um, some magic at work here because there's no dust on, okay. the, on the ground, but you don't, um, as you step onto that ramp, this shaking that's been going on in the ground, has, it stops suddenly, and you hear nothing except the sound of your own footfalls and breathing. That uh, might give me a pause right there. <laughs> um, and the ramp continues upward as far as you're able to see. It's, sort of, it's a pretty steep incline. Okay. Um, and then... You also see that steel um, obstructs, steel plates have been bolted into the floor at intervals along that ramp. Um, perfectly sized for a dwarf to stand behind mm. with a cutout right where their head ought to be so they can see, you know, sort of a defensive fortification. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so that's what you see. Oh. Yeah, I'll keep moving but i'll ask uh the gale of dur you know like what is this place like what was it for uh so um contrary to what his nature seemed so far um he starts talking and he says this was the um this is the dwarven city of underholm and he starts talking about like the history of it the vein Vainbeard clan founded this city um fought fought many wars and produced many uh, wonderful items in the forge up ahead. Mm. He says the forge you saw in uh, just before that was Vainbeard's personal forge for his, uh, for his own enjoyment tinkering. It's nothing, nothing compared to what you're about to see where the power of earth and fire, wind and water meet, um, to create the most magnificent uh, items ever produced by dwarven hands. So um, that's what he says in the time that's allowed on your turn anyway. Okay. All right. So Rohan, you've got this uh, silver raven on your shoulder. He seems to want to go down the left, the, you know, northwest fork. Okay. But, um, you know, he's not making you just, that seems like what he wants to do. And, he is Silver Raven, and he's obviously magical in some nature, but there's nothing to indicate to you that you you probably have more acute senses than it does. I mean, at this level, anyway. Yeah, I'll uh, take a, a listen check <clears throat> real quick, see if I can hear anything moving. Okay. There. You go. Did you want it in the tower? Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So you stop to listen. And you don't hear anything at all. all right. um, yeah, not being able to hear anything, I have no better option than to go in the direction that it's suggesting. So okay, I'll head down that direction. All right. So that direction continues um, to the northwest for a few uh, furways and then starts taking wild turns, twists and turns. Okay. So you're going um, sections where you've got to go straight down. 20 feet uh, over 
10 and then up 30 and just wild maze-like directions. Um, and that, that goes, you know, for, for the remainder of your turn, that's what you're experiencing. And as your turn comes to an end, you once again come to a section where there's multiple ways to go. In this, in this case, you're at a spot where you could go up or down or, or left or right. The one to the right goes in a downward direction and the one to the left in an upward direction. Okay. So that's, that's what you've come to at the end of your turn there. And then Graham, uh, Fenrith doesn't seem to recognize you as he's moved forward in a battle stance and has not given a, a friendly greeting in return. Right. And, uh, I rolled on the top side of my wisdom. So I realize that I'm still disguised. And I'll spend a standard action to dismiss the disguise. Okay. I'll be like, oh, hey there, Fenrith, it's me, Graham. Graham, why Why were you dressed up as a, or why did you look like a, one of those other elves? It was a scroll I found. I thought it might be good for sneaking around. You look like you could use some healing. Uh, I don't have time to heal you, though. <laughs> I'm all right. Where's everybody else, though? Yeah, Rohan's out. Where you can see the forge light coming from. I haven't seen Casimir in quite a while. But you heard me. I heard him somewhere to the south. Same big room. Uh, if you keep going north, you can come out on the lower level. If you go up those stairs, you'll be on a platform above the pit. Anyhow, so, happy trails. <laughs> where are you going? Bloodtooth tells me I have to go south. What sort of Bloodtooth? It's a different voice. Bloodtooth, that isn't Bloodtooth. Well, I just came from that way. What's down there? There's another forge. There's no way out other than going east, though. Well, he seems to want me to do something there or be there. So far, he hasn't led me astray. Are there enemies out in this, uh, in that other room? Oh, yeah. (laughs) But they're all running away, I think. Be careful. (laughs) <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio walk off <laughs> There's beholders And all kinds of stuff Weird tentacle monkeys Alright so that'll be the end of Graham's turn And uh, that'll bring us back to Fenrith Worst of all a bard So <laughs> I guess which direction Am I being You're being pulled west now Okay That's all uh Give Graham one last look before I go through that or out onto that uh, overhang area and tell him to be careful. Yeah, you there. too. <laughs> Grab the magical rope that's up there. Could come in handy. All right. So, uh, <laughs> did I do a spot and see if I see a magical rope? Well, you don't need to. You actually do see it right away oh, uh, nice. as you step up there, coiled up nicely beside the chain. Zola. So. This is no, the first thanks. This is the first time you've been in this room, right? Yeah. Okay, so you you look out over this room. You're on this platform that um juts out over the pool of um bubbling lava down there. So, um <clears throat> you've got these uh large stone and steel things down below that have these troughs where um uh, lava somehow runs upward it seems from your your angle anyway into those machines and then they have 
stacks on uh, the top of them where, you know, you can see heat and, and smoke coming up out of those. And you see that magical symbol on the floor over there starting to fade away. There's a large, really big um, tentacled appendage flopping around on the ground there. You don't see any enemies in the room, except there is one body by that magical symbol um, of that of a okay. heavily armored, s- smaller person dressed in black armor, but that's what you can see. I'll cast uh, true seeing on myself. Okay. All right, yeah, you're able to cast that spell, and that'll be the end of your turn. So with true seeing, you're not seeing anything new. Okay, that's fine. It's, uh, it'll last for what, 12 minutes, so. Okay, that's you, and now Casimir. So, um, heading up this ramp, pass in these um, defensive fortifications, and Caleb Durr plotting along next to you, and the cat as well, and you, this general feeling of uh, something in pain up ahead. And you reach the top of the ramp, and there's a portcullis block in the path. And this one's made of the same metal that that gate was made of. This one, um, uh, certainly not steel, something else, but um, no, no rust, no spider webs, no dust. And there's a portcullis block in the path. And then give me a search in the tower. Oh, boy. Uh with a plus two. I think it basically comes with that for the elves. Uh, yeah, searching my thing. No wisdom, see? I know how you feel. <laughs> That's not a bad roll. So, um, yeah, the port callus is down. and uh, But, you know, as you're looking around, you can see that in the wall to the right of you that there is a secret door there. Okay. Um yeah, I guess I'll see if I can find its uh, its trigger, its trip, and open it up. If not, I... yeah, you can. With okay. that, that's with that search, you're able to you're able to find it. How to get it open? And it's just a matter of pushing. Okay, hard enough, and um, then it and then it moves in and then slides out of the way, and that that lets you into a tunnel that you can see branch. The tunnel goes back the way you came. And that's where um, defenders could be in there looking through those. Um, for some reason, the word is escaping me now what that's called. But um, but also it, a branch goes past the portcullis and into the open behind it. Okay. And uh, that's just an open stone field. <laughs> it's the best way. Nah. But as you do step out, um, you you see that there is a soft glow emanating from somewhere everywhere that um that allows you to see things that are further away than you ought to be able to see them so you can see the ceiling of this this cavern at least the parts of it you can see they're way the heck up there it's really tall and um you can't make out details up there it seems to be generally smooth ish and then um this stone field continues on uh it's probably about a hundred feet and then there's a drop off and you can see you can't see because of the angle obviously but past that you can see buildings 
rising up from down there, mm. stretching up towards the ceiling of this cavern. Some of them, um, you're guessing, are well over a hundred feet tall, made out of solid stone with um, windows carved out of them. So you know, this is like an feet. actual city proper. It's a city like you've never imagined a city could look. I mean, it's enormous. It'd be like you know, uh, stepping out onto an overlook and looking at, um, you know, Seattle or, De you know, some, some big city like that. Yeah. So there's just buildings everywhere carved out of stone that rise up, uh, above the bowl where you're standing. So uh, I guess I'll turn to the, uh, elemental and I'll say that, uh, I hope you know the way, cause I, I have no idea how anyone would find anything in that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it looks up at you and says, but you do know the way. And you can feel that, that, um, that pain pulling you in a specific direction. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I'll, if I still got turn, I'll start heading that direction. Yeah. Um, yeah, you could start heading towards the, the lip of that, that bowl there. And, um, at this point, the cat has leapt up on top of the Galabder's head and laid down. It seems to be purring contentedly. All right, Rohan, so you're in this split. It can go multiple directions. The uh, raven seems to have no input here. Um, so go ahead and give me a survival. Okay. But also at this point, I'm going to be, you know, thinking as a hunter, I've likely lost my prey being the beholder and that I should probably turn around and seek out my companions. Okay. All right. So as you're thinking that um, you're, you're casting about, <clears throat> obviously it's a flying creature, so it's not going to disturb the ground or yeah. so you think, but um, as you're about to turn around, you do spot something towards the, um, the, the right hand path that leads downward you do spot something on the ground just just at this part where it starts to slope downward. And as you inspect that, you realize it's saliva. Okay. Saliva dripped out of its mouth at some point. It's um, surprising you haven't seen it before this, but um, that's definitely the direction it went. Okay. Then I will follow it. All right. <clears throat> so you follow that and it starts going down and then it, it takes a wide curve back towards the north but um still in a downward angle and then um well, quite suddenly you find yourself out of this tunnel into open space and um this is a strange sight because the amount of light that's in this area you should have seen it before you exited that tunnel but you didn't it's like a like a some invisible curtain you pass through and suddenly you're in a well-lit um, cavern, circular in shape, uh, with with flat ground and a you know curved ceiling, and you're looking down below you at grass on the ground and trees, and you can see a pond and a manor house. Um, it's a well-built, well-appointed manor house. I think instinctively, as I pass through that curtain, I'll like give a start and step back into the tunnel. Okay. Cause just suddenly rushing out into a big exposed area like that would kind of freak me out a little bit. All right. 
Yeah. So you duck back in there and then once again, you're in this tunnel and it looks to you as if it continues on. Okay. Past the point at which you know it ends. Yeah. That'll be my turn. I'll stop just before I head back into, into that area. Okay. Graham. I'll continue south towards the southern door and that's all my movement. All right. Fenrith. So where is this rope located at? Right here. Is there like a walkway to get over there? Or? There is. It's just you can't see it on the map because I made it transparent so we could see the other stuff. But, yeah, you can oh, walk, okay. walk along there to get it. So as you're uh, looking at that rope and you head over to get it, you, you feel a like overpowering pull. Not over, almost overpowering pull towards the end of that main, that center platform that you were just on. Oh. So right. you can you well, can grab that rope, but it's pulling you back to here is where where you feel like Yeah, I'll go going. out to it if I if I feel that the pull in a different direction than the rope. So I've got to trust. Alright. So you come to stand on the end of that platform and uh you're looking you find suddenly um that you've been staring down into that lava and time your sense of time has become unreliable because now you can't you don't you can't remember how long you have been staring down into the center of that lava there but as you sort of um, snap back to yourself you notice that you see a face in that lava not a not a human face not an oven face um, not not a living face but a elemental face like a like the fire itself and you can feel a Enormous rage emanating from it. The vibration of your equipment has become um, extraordinarily powerful now. You know, it feels like your sword might vibrate right out of your hand. But that's the end of your turn. And Casimir, you continue on towards the lip of this. And you get to the edge. And then you look down and you can see the city itself finally. Um and it's enormous. I mean, stretches further than than you can actually see. But all that you can see is um, who knows how far down it goes. At the section you're looking down, you know, a hundred feet. But you can see further in sections where it clearly goes down much deeper than that. And uh, in the center of the the city, you can make out a um, massive structure carved out of the stone itself it's like a dome so you can't see into it but there is this structure that um it takes up well it actually almost completely splits the city down Mm -hmm. the middle and that's um where you are feeling the that that pain that's drawing you onwards okay um so we need to get down yeah so uh there's uh, there is a stairway that leads down. Okay. Uh-huh. Sort of switches back and it, and it, uh, has a, and you can look down and see a lot of bridges in different directions at different levels that, that reach buildings at different levels, you know, sort of a, like a 3D city down there. Okay. But there is a stone uh, staircase that leads down. <clears throat> and then, yeah, that's, that's, that's what you see. Okay. Uh, am I feeling any, more desperate like am i going to put up with the switchback stairs or oh yeah okay like i mean you don't 
you you feel like you probably shouldn't find some place to take a nap, but you're not okay. You're not feeling. You know. All right. So yeah, I'll I'll start down them. All right, and then Rohan. All right. So kind of taking stock of what I had seen, I'll try and move into the area and make kind of a quick rush to cover. Okay. All right, so as you pop back out there into that cavern, um, you look down at um, this manor house, and the closest cover would be the um, the walkway that leads up to the front door mm-hmm. is lined with uh, white oak trees, and those those are pretty much directly beneath you. Okay, I'll try and drop down behind one of those while keeping an eye out for the beholder. All right, do a spot. Didn't grab it. Spot check. Okay. Yeah, so as you dive down there and you get to the ground and duck behind one of these trees, you're looking at this walkway that leads up to the front door of this manor house that's lined by these trees. On the other side of that walkway behind the trees is a wall, a stone wall. And as you were coming down, when you could still see over that wall, you saw a pond and then uh, like a yard with smaller trees and shrubs and then a door that leads into the western wing of the manor house. Mm-hmm. And that that wall is lined with um, large windows. And you, as you dive down, you did see a shadow pass pa- um, past one of those windows from inside the building. But you can make out any details. Okay. That'll be my turn. Okay, Graham. Okay, I'll open this door and walk in, take a look around. In my movement again. All right. So um, as you step into here, your eyes are drawn immediately to that basin on the southern wall. It's a large basin um, with water in it, with, uh, you know, religious symbols on the wall, paintings, things like that. But that's definitely where you feel drawn. Okay. So you get to that point and your equipment is now vibrating and uh heating up almost to the point of distraction you know as you get closer to that water and okay so fenrith back to you all right so i got to the end of this thing i see that there's an angry looking face in the lava was am i still feeling any tugging um yeah you are actually you're feeling a, um, a, a strong compulsion to jump down in there, but not to the point that you it overrides your common sense. But that's that's what you're looking down on, and um, you get you get that strong feeling of of anger and rage, and as if something's wrong down there. And it's at All this right. point that your um, the vibration reaches a peak, and uh, quite suddenly, all of your, your equipment explodes violently. So put a fort save in the tower for me. Okay. So um, <clears throat> this explosion rips through you and you feel the sensation of your uh, sword shattering into white hot shards of metal tearing through you. Um, and you lose sight of anything but, you know, pure bright white. And sound uh, disappears. And uh, then 
that bright white light is replaced by darkness as you lose consciousness. Um, and that'll bring us to Casimir. All right. I'm going to keep moving towards that dome. Okay. Um, I might start spending move actions to start drinking cure like wounds potions as well, though. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, here's the, uh, first one. I have three cure light wounds. And so plus it there and that'd be my turn. All right. Yeah. So you're moving along now and, um, going down these steps and over bridges and generally headed in that direction. And what you notice as you walk over your first bridge and look down below you is that this, um, city is actually ringed by a chasm that, I mean, the depths of which you can't imagine. You can't, you can't see as you look down, but there is actually a ring of, um, empty space around this city that these uh, bridges cross over. So as you do, and the Gale of Durs travel along with you, uh, he, he continues to answer your question. He's continuing to give almost a tour guide of this city. Um, and he's talking about how, um, the, the dwarves and the, um, his people have been allies for, um, longer than any dwarf could remember. And talks about how the dwarves, in conjunction with um, uh, denizens of the elemental plane of Earth, work together on this city, uh, and that's why that's why it looks as good as it does. All the craftsmanship is as good as it is. The stonework, and and as he says this, he's pointing out to you as you cross over a bridge, certain sections um, where he says, you know, a, a good hammer blow right there will bring this whole bridge down. So. Uh, all of these bridges have um, things like that to help in case of invasion. Of course, anybody would be a fool to invade this city, but there are plenty of fools down here. So um, you cross over that bridge, <coughs> over that chasm, and now you're above the um, the actual city itself. And that's when you notice, as you look down at the buildings, you notice dwarves down there. Hmm. Um, but they're not moving. They're all stone. They either are wonderfully made stone statues all over the place, or the dwarves of the city were turned to stone. I think I might be able to tell if I get close enough. Mm -hmm. Okay. No. Yeah, but right now you're you're still pretty high above them. But that that is the path that you seem to be on is taking you to ground level. Okay. So so that's you, and then Rohan, mm -hmm. your turn. All right. So. The path from the side door that you had mentioned in, I think you said the West Wing? Yeah. Um, does that lead to like the front door where um, that this path directly goes to? No, there's like, there's a, there's not a path. There's a stone wall that blocks that section off. It's an enclosed yard. Yeah. The, yeah. For the West side, but the path goes directly to the front door of this mansion. Right? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Um. I'll see if I can cut off that shadow by heading straight to the front door. Um, okay. Yeah. So, um, you, you head up to the front door and there's a wide marble stone staircase, you know, not, not a long one, but it, it leads up to the front porch of this manor, which has a covered porch that, uh, that goes, to the left up to that stone wall that blocks that yard off and to the right seems to wrap 
around the house. And you've got these doors and uh, they're solid, you know, wood doors uh, with carvings in them and brass handles. There's windows on either side, but their curtains are drawn, so you can't see what's in there. Okay. Yeah, I'll uh, head straight up to the front door. Um, if it's within reach, then I'll uh, try and begin opening the door as well. But I'll, I'll still be using the, the fly ability to increase my, oh, my okay. speed. All right. So um, you reach that front door and you are able to um, open it. Okay. So it's not locked. So yeah, I'll open it, but I'll kind of keep my back to the side door and prepare to move in next round. Okay. So as it swings open, you're able to see a, a well-appointed foyer inside with, um, you know, carved uh, benches and uh, nice carpet and marble flooring. That's what you can see okay. as the door opens. Okay. And then Graham. So I'll walk the rest of the way up to that basin and peer into it, I suppose. Yeah. So you move up there. And as you go, this vibration gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And as you peer into that uh, basin, you um, you can you look down just long enough to see to notice that you can see pretty far into that water, and it goes really deep. And then there's an explosion. And put a fortitude save into the tower, please. All right. Um, so yeah, you you can feel the tremendous concussive blast of your your armor your equipment as as it seems to explode inward and outward you you feel you think you hear the sound of shards of metal scraping against stone and you can feel pain over just about your entire body um, as if the metal shards are slicing through you and um, in the midst of all that pain there's a separate closed off section in your mind where two faces um one you know the face of a beholder the other the face of a massive silver dragon they seem to be shaking madly and either attempting to merge or attempting to separate it's hard for you to tell and then you lose consciousness so casimir the the now you've reached the ground level and you can see that um it feels weird under your feet because as you look at it, you know, you realize that at one point this was actually, there was grass here, mm. but the grass has also been turned to stone. Mm. So some of the tips break off under your weight, you know, as you walk on it, it feels odd to you. But this is uh, where you reach like the first uh, set of where the homes and on the outer ring, at least of the city, the homes mostly seem to be multi family dwelling types like tall buildings with a lot of windows you know okay and so you you can see in this um section of stone grass um a dwarven woman and two dwarven children the dwarven children look in the midst of a fight of some sort and the dwarven woman is um she's got a uh like a an, an odd expression on her face and her hands on her she doesn't it doesn't seem as though she was trying to stop the fight so much as she's watching to see how it turns out mm. angrily. Okay. Right? If that makes sense. But you can definitely tell as you get up there that these were real dwarves turned to stone at some point. 
they were petrified somehow. And then the Galeb Dur says, yes, this was, this was the king's idea. And there was a lot of resistance, but in the end, the king is the king, and this is what was decided. This was how the king sought to save his people, was to turn them to stone, that they remain here in hopes that one day heroes might set things to right. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, we must go this way. Okay. And so he's now taking the lead towards the center of the city. All right. I'll keep following him. All right, Rohan. So you're looking into this um, foyer here, and you've got a um, this open area, and you can see the benches just inside the door, um, and then um, you can see a hallway leading to the right and the left into each of those wings of the house. And in that center there is a a widened out area straight in that holds um, like a fountain. Okay. So y'all. You know, take a deep breath to steady myself and then move through the door and take a quick glance to see if I see anything moving in that first entryway while beginning to head towards the west wing. Okay, one second here. All right. So um, you you stepped in and you were looking which direction? Um, Just kind of a quick survey of this room. Okay, so yeah. You've got, um, this is actually kind of a wide room and it's sort of a diamond shape. And then, um, straight on the opposite side from this door you're standing at is a old altar. And, uh, behind that altar is a statue, um, probably about 10 feet tall of a, well, it's hard, it's hard for your mind to wrap around exactly what it might be. It seems, Vaguely humanoid in shape, but um, its head is much too large to fit on its body, um, and it has, its head has you know what look like tentacles jutting out from every angle, and it has a massive open mouth with uh, sharp teeth in it that stands behind the altar, and in the center of this room is a fountain. It's not working now. There's no water in it, but at one point there was. And there is some pillars. And then, like I said, there's a hallway leading off to the left and to the right. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll be kind of immediately moving towards the uh, west side. Okay. Keeping an eye out for any motion. So you can move along there in this um, wooden wall off in that direction. And you could reach where that wall meets the hallway. And you look down and you can see really nice carpet on the floor. And at the end, uh, it splits uh, north and south. And there are two um, uh, two busts at, at the end of this hallway mounted on the wall of um, some bestial sort of creature, like uh, a wolf or a warg, but with tentacles coming from its mouth. Okay. And as I move, I'll be, you know, Trying to take cover at the corners where I stop. Okay. While I assess my next move. Yeah, do a move silently. All right. Now back to Graham. All right, Graham. So give me one second to pull. All right. So, Graham, after that happens, um, you know, the pain's disappeared and you slowly start to come back to what you think is consciousness. But you quickly realize that, um, 
once again, you're, you're having a vision through someone else's eyes. You, you remember when you had the vision, um, where you were high up in a castle looking out over a large city and, um, you know, looking through that viewpoint, you'd realize that this, um, the city was actually on the cradle's moon somehow. And, um, and eventually you had come to understand that you were looking through the eyes of a silver dragon who ruled the city up there. <coughs> and it wasn't the only vision you've had, but once again, you've, um, you're seeing that sort of thing now. It's as if you're feeling the feelings of, of that dragon rather than your own. Um, but it's not as easy to define for you now as uh, it's sort of uh, jumbled in with um, uh, thoughts and feelings and images from the beholder as well. And so you remember that um, there was some enmity between the two. Um, the beholder had been some sort of criminal uh, um, kingpin or whatever. That was the sense you got. <clears throat> But this this uh, dragon king had foiled plans so many times and stolen in your mind, uh, since you think everything belongs to you. Um, so you, this beholder, had hatched a plan for vengeance, and uh, you um, had then uh, had the image from the king of uh, marching off to war, but his uh, wife and children left behind, and then that's when the beholder took his opportunity to strike and it wasn't just a matter of killing them, but the, you know, using some dark blood magic, um, consuming their souls in order to make that beholder powerful enough to fight the dragon. And it didn't work out that way. Um, for some reason, um, both of them ended up, their souls ended up inhabiting blood tooth. Right. So you're having images like that again. So it's this point, uh, as you're, you think you're starting to wake up, um, you start to get the sense that this beholder that you guys have encountered uh, isn't actually the, that same beholder. Um, but certainly there's something about him that's similar. Right? It's hard for you to understand, but um, you, you get that, that feeling. So it's like this, you're groggy, sort of, uh, your thoughts are scattered. You don't know what to make of anything. You remember being in pain from the explosion, but you can't look at yourself and tell if you've taken any damage and you don't, you don't feel like you're bleeding or anything. But, um, uh, suddenly you're able to stand up and you find yourself in a, um, a small room with a stone floor and bare stone walls. And before you facing away from you, is a you're looking at the back of the beholder that you instinctively understand is the personality of Bloodtooth as you know him the most, and then a um, a dragon also facing away from you. This one uh, silver. Somehow, though he's enormous, he doesn't take up space like he ought to. It's almost like you're looking at a representation rather than the reality. And that's when you notice that standing next to you, holding a <clears throat> like a birdcage, is that old man that you encountered uh, once yeah. before. Long ago. So he says, uh, well met, uh, Graham. Hello again. What are you doing here? Uh, 
I'm not sure if I've told you before, young man, but um, I'm very good friends with someone who loves your people very much. And I'm here to help him by helping you. This situation, this uh, battle between the, the two souls locked in that weapon of yours can't continue if you're to reach your full potential. So the time has come for you to make a choice, and I'm here to help you. I'm here to empower you to make that choice. So whichever of these personalities you think ought to win this contest, then make the choice. Do, do I have to make it now? Yes, and you, you make it by stabbing the one you think should be the loser. So it's at this point now where um, you'll, you'll need to make a, um, what's the, a wisdom check for me in the tower. Okay. So here's where, um, now you're, you're thinking over this and, um, unbidden flashes through your mind. Um, what, what this choice would mean for you as if someone else is putting the thoughts there for you. Um, you know, uh, if, if you would choose blood tooth, then, um, you can see the the strength of the weapon grow in that general direction where um, you can imagine that you can eventually one day you'll do more damage, you know, with those jewels than you can. And you even get the sense that there might come a day where your vision that's granted will be improved even further and some vague sense that at some point you might be able to somehow used shadows as an extension of this weapon. And, um, you know, you'll be able to do a great amount of damage, but th that uh, bloody or that bloodthirsty personality uh, will be emboldened now because it's at this, you know, you understand that it's been restrained by the other personality, personality of that silver dragon king. So on the other side of it, um, you get the sense if you, if you choose his route that, um, you'll still be able to use, you know, like the, the jewels the same way you are now. Um, but you might not, you might not be able to like change the form or function of blood tooth as you can now. And, um, he, he certainly will attempt to exert a more, calming influence on you and uh, nudge you to choose less violent means where possible. Um, and so it seems to you, you know, with your wisdom role that you did, that uh, that d direction seems like it would be less power in the long run. But you do get an odd flash of yourself in the future with uh sort of a silver tinge to your skin, um, claws that you can use as weapons and even, um, breathing like a massive cone of ice at your enemies. So you do get that, that, uh, that flash through your head as well. well elements blast you if you don't speak true, but you say the dragon will help my people. Oh, I'm sorry, son. The dragon is long dead. The same with the beholder. It's only f fragments of their, the, the strongest parts of their personality left behind. If anyone is to help your people, it will have to be you and your friend. 
Well, Bloodtooth was my companion, even when I was cut off from everybody else. Master said you'd, there'd come a day when you'd have to maybe kill somebody you love. I don't know if I love Bloodtooth, but... <laughs> Is this the dog in the pit? <laughs> <laughs> What's right. the dog in the pit? With, like, the fighters, like old-time, like, warriors, like Spartan, where they had to raise the puppy oh, right. and then kill it. <laughs> okay, so we'll leave you to think about that. Okay, Fenrith. Um, you have a vision as well, and your vision is, um, you remember that you'd had a vision of, um, floating in a weightless infinite void and you, you had saw, you had seen, um, Corallon Lorathian with a chain wrapped around the world and holding it with his feet dug into the void itself as it sort of like blurred and, um, you know, it wasn't clear what you were to make of that at the time, but you did get the general sense that Corallon was about a Herculean task that he was having to put a lot of his uh, strength and focus in. And so you see that same image <clears throat> and you see that it's still his face and a bead of sweat had formed on his brow as the vision ended last time. Now sweat pours freely down his face. Um, the only difference is that now as you look at him in the shimmering darkness of the endless void behind him starts, uh, something starts to take shape, a form of, uh, some, some figure, uh, holding a dagger and sneaking up on him. Um, that's not the only thing you see though. Uh, also suddenly you find yourself surrounded by fire in all directions and you're standing upon fire, not, not solid ground though. It feels solid to you. And it seems to flow through you and even out of you. And uh, strangely, you feel no, no heat from it. Then um, you, you get the sense that there's a fight happening somewhere that you need to be a part of. Then uh, the last thing that you, that you see or experience uh, as that brightness starts to fade and the the real light of the world starts to take his, its place is the, uh, a sense that this is somewhere in the future, but that the, this God of yours that's, uh, holding the world still for you and your companions is going to need you and the collective, uh, love of your people back in cradle in order to heal from some grievous wound that he'll experience in the future. And then you wake up and come back to the real world where you're lying on this platform. Now, um, that'll be it for you. And then Casimir, this journey continues. All right. Somehow, um, through some method that you, you don't, you don't understand instinctively, uh, you realize that you're moving way faster than you ought to be some okay. some magic propels you forward and now you've uh, you've found yourself quite suddenly at a uh, a door into this this dome structure in the center of the city and it's enormous like i said and it basically cuts the city in two down the middle so I guess dome isn't the proper word, but um, at any rate, you, you find yourself standing um, outside of it at, at a point that 
has no distinguishing features from any other point except for there's a door here. And you would think after the gate to the city and some of the doors you've seen on the buildings as you traveled through and the fact that this thing, you know, splits the city and is obviously holds some importance that it would have a opulently carved door or, you know, something. But instead, it's just a simple metal door. Okay. You know, big enough for a person to walk through with a handle, mm. uh, well-oiled hinges, and that's where you find yourself. Okay. So the Gallup Durr says, I can't go in with you, but I wish you luck. Thank you. Uh, do you have a name? Caleb. <laughs> oh, Caleb. Thank you for showing me the way. I hope you make it out, friend. I hope so, too. Elements protect you, and uh, I'll go over to the door and open it. All right. So you open the door and step in. You feel a light um, pressure as the cat leaps from Caleb's head onto your shoulder. And uh, that's where she sits now with her eyes staring intently into the darkness through that door. And as you step in... You've got an odd experience where as you look in, you see nothing but darkness. And as you step in, suddenly you're in a well-lit chamber. Uh, All the light is emanating from somewhere beneath you. Hmm. You look out over, um, you know, uh, there's a chasm that that runs as far as you can see. Because you came into this sort of on the southern or the eastern section. So looking to the west. As far as you can see, this um, there's a chasm that splits the center of this structure. How you can't see how deep from where you are, but there is light emanating from down there. So it's a uh, fifty feet wide. So from where you are, you've got twenty feet to the edge, then fifty feet of open whatever. Okay, and then another twenty feet of flat stone ground to to reach the opposite wall of this structure okay and that those dimensions seem uniform as far as you can see it's not like you would expect where the lines of the chasm would fluctuate a bit it's a perfect it seems seems perfect from where you are all right and uh where's this pole that i i felt coming from it's disappeared now um it's like satisfied as if this is where you ought to be i guess i'll walk up to the edge yeah, so you start making a move up towards the edge, which is 20 feet away, and after 10 feet, you suddenly feel this massive explosion as the vibration had reached its peak, and um, now you you feel stone shards tearing through you. And put a fort save in the tower, please. Yeah. Do I need to re-roll it? No. Okay. Um, no, you don't. Because you're getting lucky so far. All right. But you'd still lose consciousness. Mm-hmm. So then you find yourself once again in some odd place, uh, like the vision you'd had before. Uh, now you realize this is the, this is the city that you saw in that previous vision where you had, um, you know, you had seen the vision of those two titanic forces contending with one another, um, earth and fire. And your mind had placed dimensions on them so that you could make sense of what you're seeing. But you knew that they weren't 
limited by size in a way that your mind could understand. But this is where that battle takes place. It was in this city in your previous vision where uh, you had you had seen the earth and its allies being dwarves seem to have come out on top in this competition, whereas the fire, uh, every every bit of its effort was bent towards blowing the top off of a mountain, which you now, you recognize to be the angry mountain from your island. Mm-hmm. Um, but the earth and its allies had uh, created channels and um, on unaware the flame had nowhere to go but where nature requires it so that lava had poured through and uh you're seeing that that vision again uh after this explosion of your equipment and you remember too that in that vision you had felt old Mm -hmm. which was odd for you you couldn't even close your hands around your trident Uh, there was too much arthritis and uh you couldn't even force your hands closed on it and now you're, you're feeling that sweep through you again now uh every thought comes later than it ought to breathing seems painful your knees your hips your hands everything aches so that's where you've that's that's what's going on with you right now and then rohan you're looking down this hallway that runs for 65 feet and at the end it branches off uh it goes north or it goes south now the the corner you're hiding on Mm-hmm. There's a door set into that wall down at the end okay. that you can just barely see. Still no motion, right? No, no motion, no sounds. Okay. Uh, I'll move down to the end and take a listen. All right. So you get to that door. This is a stone door, a heavy stone door. And uh, go ahead. And, did you roll? Roll your... Okay, you did. Okay. All right. So you hear... You do hear a muffled speaking very very faint though okay does it sound anything like the beholder that i want where i had heard him speak in that main chamber no i mean you can't hear it good enough to make a determination like that you can just you can hear a okay that'll be my turn all right <clears throat> graham okay trying to keep in mind the way blood tooth has inconvenienced me over the journey rather than the way he's aided me i'll walk up and plunge the dagger into the representation of the beholder okay so um one last thing as you step forward towards him like as if as if knowing that that's the choice you had made you start getting flashes in your mind um these ones show you with um darker skin uh whiter hair Claws still, fangs even, and wings that allow you to fly. And they show you um, using spells uh, as as just natural abilities that uh, you know bring darkness and and diseases and poison on people. Um, these these flashes are really powerful. Um, they show you as much stronger, smarter, even more handsome, better in every way. And this is the promise of. Um, of choosing the beholder to continue on. So in response, you also start getting the flashes of, you know, that, that other form. You don't have wings here, but you're blowing, you know, ice on your enemies. You're stronger, much stronger, healthier, faster, smarter, better looking, 
you'll live longer. You, um, you'll have more friends. <laughs> <laughs> People will like you more. <laughs> well, that's my main driving force. <laughs> I will all falter for a step, but, uh, stay on course. All right. So you, um, you step up behind that beholder or the representation of it at any rate. And these images come faster and harder, and more desperate now. Um, the old man stands behind you and he raises that, that uh, bird cage and it works as a lantern and shines the light out. And it seems like despite the odd anatomy of this creature, you know just where to put that knife. And uh, you slide that dagger into that particular spot and like a popping balloon splatters viscera all over. It quickly disappears, but you feel the sensation of it splattering over you. And uh, then it's it's faded away, and all that remains now is the dragon, who is much smaller than it ought to be, but its long head spin, you know, turns slowly to regard you. You can see his um, featureless eyes. They're just balls of, like, molten silver is what they look like as he looks at you. And uh, you get this this feeling that uh, overwhelms you of gratitude and uh, and peace at last as uh, that dragon starts to slowly fade away as well. So um, then you're left alone in this room with the old man and he steps forward and he puts his hand on your shoulder and you, you feel an automatic kinship uh, for this much like you would your own father or grandfather. Right. And you do have these emotions assailing you. They're not somebody else's. They're your own because these, these were real personalities and uh blood tooth that, you know, at least um, has been with you a long time and now he's gone. So it is, it is a, actually a sad moment, but what you do with that's up to you. Uh, but this old man, he says, you, um, you have a good heart, Graham, but you're not very bright. So I wonder if you understand the choice you've made. No, not really. I don't feel great about it. I understand that much. So this time he he gives like a really big fatherly smile, um, you know, and he says, well, I'll explain it to you then. And uh, he starts to speak, but you don't really hear the words. You just, you get the knowledge and that, that, um, that this choice you made, the choice that was before you was not like, you know, some philosophical thing. And those images you were seeing were not like, you know, a, a representation of your inner strength. It was, it was showing that, you know, you would have, you would have changed, uh, which you, whichever choice you made would change you. You will be changed now. And you, you gain the understanding that the choice you made is to uh, that will es- essentially make you half dragon at least the other would have been half something dark and and it is actually a change like physically mentally um you won't you won't be the same graham and he says out of uh out of uh, my friendship for uh, the one that loves you so i present to you another choice just walk through that door there that suddenly appears in the wall he points to and uh, stay just as you are. Perhaps you won't be as handsome or striking, might not be as 
strong. You certainly won't be as smart, but you'll still be Graham. That's been good enough so far. Hmm. <laughs> Another tough one. Yeah, I'll leave you there to think about it. Is okay. there a donkey that he sees through the doorway or a mule? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's giving you the chance to go back and fight the donkey. <laughs> oh, become half ass. <laughs> half ass grin. You, you get a hero point for that. Oh, thank you. Really? Yeah. That was a good one. I'll put it on there. Okay. All right. Fenrith, you wake up and you, uh, inst- you instinctively realize that you. Despite the explosion, as has happened in the past, you took no damage. And as a matter of fact, you have been healed by whatever this process is. And you just feel um, immediately that uh, all of your weapons and equipment are more powerful. And so are you. And we'll go over what that means later. But at this point, you notice um, that the biggest change has been in your signet ring and this is when you realize that it has not been as simple a ring as you thought it was um this is actually rather than just like a you know ring of energy resistance this is a ring of elemental command and uh it has now gained the ability to use flaming sphere twice per day and you also understand suddenly that this is attuned specifically to the plane of fire and that, you know, elementals from that plane wouldn't even be able to attack you or even approach unless you wanted them to approach. And, you know, this will make you stronger against, um, you know, like water elementals, but weaker against them as well. So that's how you wake up and... That's how you look down into that magma there and you recognize that face, not as you did before where you recognize that it was a face. Now you recognize it as a face that you recognize, though you've never met them. You, you understand that this is a, a fire elemental and that it's friendly and also entreating you for aid. Okay, I'll, uh, I will go to its aid. So I'm going to step off into the lava. And I really hope that's not a dumb decision. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find out soon enough. It. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. You step off and um, you find yourself sliding easily into that, that lava there and uh, you disappear. You know, it envelops you completely. And you notice that, um, you're not feeling any pain. And what's more, you, you can actually see in here. Um, not, not as far as you'd be able to out, you know, open space, but you know, you open your eyes and rather than just see fire right in front of you, you see fire, you know, away from you and and you're able to, um, see the dimensions of this pool, the, at least the, the borders that have been placed on it here by the stone. And you can see that uh, this particular pool is filled from a fissure that comes from deep below. And that's where that elemental beckons you to follow. All right. Yeah, I'll continue to um, 
I'll, tr- I'll treat it as if it was water, I guess. I'll try to swim down. That's exactly what it's like. It's like you're swimming, you know, um, in, in a sense. Like your, your, your movement speed is in any direction as long as you're in this magma. We'll put it that way. So, yeah, you're easy, easily able to follow this elemental. And he had sh- it, it heads straight downward. And that'll be your turn. So, Casimir, you feel... Like the unbearable ache of age, uh, not not age as you know it or could ever know it, but age as in existence since before time was something that could be measured, right? Mm. And this battle has aged you, this battle that you feel taking place between, you know, fire and earth, all because fire, for whatever reason, wants to destroy and everything that it could destroy happens to be you and you don't want that to happen. So the fight is, is never ending, but the, um, the fire is, is energy. It must go somewhere. And, and that's the trick is giving it a place to go that doesn't harm you. And these dwarves actually, um, approached your children with an idea and it was a great idea. And it worked. So you were looking at that vision. That was the past. But you also have the realization that um, this splitting apart of the world and whatever caused that and why ever it was done, um, it blocked the path for fire to move. And so all of that force is held back by nothing but you. And who knows what would happen if you ever gave up. Mm. And you will. You will soon because you're you're old and tired. And so now you've got the sense that um, when you guys came to this part of the world, that made things worse. So things need to be put back right. Okay. And uh, you wake up then, and that feeling of age disappears. But uh, you do feel immediately the newfound strength and power in your in your equipment. And you have been healed, okay, of your da- of your wounds, and that's when you realize that this this ring was not just a simple magic ring. This is a powerful magic ring. This is a a, a ring of elemental command. This attunes you to the plane of Earth, and it and this is what allows you to speak to Earth elementals, and uh, that's what's allowed you to meld into stone and now soften earth and stone and now stone shape even Mm. twice per day so you know you'll get um air or electricity based effects will do more damage to you but uh you'll do more damage to air effects as well okay it sort of sets you at odds with air elementals um but you do wake up um on your feet and you feel this increased power coming from your equipment and your wounds have been healed and uh, purring contentedly on your shoulder and unharmed by the explosion is Omen. Um, and there you are. Now you've you, you um, got 20 more feet to reach the lip. All right. Let's walk it. And there you stop and look out and see deep below um, this perfection in the, in the walls disappears. And then you've got what you would expect to see where the wall takes the shape as though 
a, a river has pushed through it over the eons. Only this river is magma, which you can see down there a couple hundred feet. Um, and off to the west at the, at the limits of your vision in what you guess would be the exact center of the city. There are stairwells and bridges leading down, down, down to the flowing river of lava where a single large section of earth, of stone, uh, rises from the midst of that river. And from here you can see it's got um, objects on it. It's got um, some some sort of massive forge mm. down there. So um, <clears throat> you can also tell that based on where the river of lava flows, the, it's way low, way lower than it ought to be. You can see the lines where it normally would be something, and that's you, you realize something's holding all of it back. And that's what I'm supposed to be correct in. Right. Okay. But you you feel like like that answer must be on that that platform down there towards the west. All right. Uh yeah, I'll start uh, heading towards the various stairways. All right. So as you travel along in this direction to the west, you've got this uh, um, perfectly spaced flat um, ground from the wall to the edge, and that space doesn't change as far as you can see. It's very symmetrical, and um, you can also see the uh, structures um all along this this side and on the other side where stalls have been built um, for people to sell and buy some sort of market activity going on here. And dwarves inside their their structures or tents even turned to stone, some of them still holding um, items that they're trying to sell or buy. And uh, so you head off in that direction and you make um, eventually – you reach the point now where um, stairs start to lead downward. And it doesn't surprise you to see because you saw this in the upper or in the outer city as well. But these dwarves apparently never believed in railings <laughs> of any kind. Yeah. So you've got, you know, stairs that you can walk down <laughs> oh, and off to fall. the edges. <laughs> of, yeah. Open fall into oblivion. So. But yeah, you start making your way down um, towards that that platform. Now, as you look at it, as you get closer, you can see that that platform's enormous. It's plenty. Of, it's so much space. And if the the lava were to flow where it ought to, based on the lines, then that platform would be ten feet above the the lava line, really. And so from here, as you look at that platform. You can see the sides of it that you normally wouldn't be able to see. And it's just honeycombed with um, like tunnels and holes for the lava to flow through rather than just around. Hmm. And then Rohan. Okay. So I'll open the door and swing through, bow drawn. Okay. So you open the door and... There, you're in a, a narrow hallway that goes for 15 feet and widens out into a, a small anteroom that has two doors set in the southern wall. Okay, I'll move up into that room. Um, do I spot anything that leads me to want to move towards one 
door over the other? Do uh, sign a passage or? No, you don't. And do I see, or rather, I suppose, hear um, what had been making that mumbling noise? Yeah. Um, well, you still hear the mumbling, and it sounds like there's two two voices maybe, but it's almost overpowered by a bubbling sound. Okay. Um, you still can't make out any words. Okay. I think that's my turn for that. Okay. Round. Okay, Graham. Yeah, so I'll plunge the metaphorical dagger into the metaphorical version of Graham by turning away from this new option. Uh, I've made my choice. Oh, very well. So you've chosen the dragon or to stay as you are? The dragon. Okay. All right. Just head on through that door there, son, and good luck to you. Don't lose faith. Wait, which door? (laughs) (laughs) The door that turns you back into normal Graham. No, I'm not going that way. Not to worry. (laughs) This is awful confusing. But, okay, I'll head towards that door then. All right, so you uh, head towards that door and pass through it and um, find yourself then back in that room with the basin. Okay. And you realize um, you've... Your equipment's changed. Feels much more powerful now than it did before. Um, and especially you realize that your ring has had a big change. Um, and you, you understand then that it's, it's much more powerful than you thought and that it always had been. And so this is a ring of elemental command. And that's what allows you to water walk and create water, but it also now allows you to breathe water. It also um, puts you in tune with water elementals and the pl- the elemental plane of water. So, you know, uh, fire-based attacks will, you know, they'll be harder for you to withstand, but um, fire will be harder for to withstand you, too. So, but even, you know, your armor is definitely stronger. You feel more power coming from it. And the blood tooth has changed now. It's still a dagger, but its shape has changed dramatically. It no longer has the the flourish that it had, the um, almost impractical cosmetic appearance. Now it looks um, like a, in shape at least, like a regular dagger now. It's just got some uh, some treatment or it's made of some metal but that keeps the blade black and uh, but it does have a silver handle with a carved dragon head on the pommel and almost no no crossbar. It's more like a dirk now. And uh, much to your surprise, you feel that uh, familiar personality still occupying that space in your mind of the the more benevolent, you know, dragon. So aside from that, uh, you feel an enormous tug, an enormous pull to dive into that basin and see how far down it goes. Hmm. I was just thinking that. <laughs> so yeah, I'll dive in. All right. So yeah, you dive down there, and um, this uh, basin is not, um, it's not one that anybody fills. It, it comes from some stream somewhere, and uh, you can swim down. This, um, it's pretty narrow. I mean, it's wide enough for you to swim through, but uh, not much else. And right now it's going straight down. 
um, for quite a ways before it then um, takes some twists and turns until eventually it's moving north. So it's at this point that um, once it starts moving north that you realize somehow there's a current here that's pulling you to the north. So you're, you're swimming at a much greater speed than you ought to be. It's uh, hard for you to imagine why there's a current here and why it would be going in the opposite direction if that basin's going to be fed, but it is. So, so you notice then that you are able to breathe just fine here, and um, you're actually able to see quite well. In fact, it, as far as vision goes, you can see better under here because you don't use you're not using just the blood tooth vision okay. and uh and so you can see to the full extent that you normally would be able to and you know up above so that's what's going on with you and Fenrith you continue to follow this elemental so um right he, he started out uh swimming for one of a better word straight down but then quickly um this this tunnel that he's following sort of flattens out and moves to the west and uh, and goes relatively straight and you can see that this um, as you go down this one that he took you in is not the only tunnel that feeds this pool of um, lava that they use up here but this is the one he's taken you down and it's hard to imagine it's hard to guess how fast you're moving but um, but you guess at quite a good speed as you follow along the wake of this fire elemental. And then um, it does come to some twists and turns that it navigates without, um, without any trouble, and you're able to keep up with them. And it goes like that for, for a while. It's difficult to judge time. But um, eventually he um, brings you out and you pop up out of a uh, small fissure in in the floor and that brings you into a cavern and in this cavern you can see that there is a uh what's the like a riverbed with uh but it's dry and you can look where this elemental is point is is drawing you to down into that riverbed where um there's like a gate like a portcullis blocking the lava beyond it. So it's an odd thing to look at because um, it's a portcullis, and so that lava ought to be able to flow through, but, you know, through some magic, it's blocking that uh, lava from pouring through. And as you um, as you take a closer look down there, you recognize that it's not a portcullis made out of any earthly substance. It's a huge water elemental that's taken that form and it's and it uh it's stands there blocking this uh this lava from getting through and you get the sense of um rage and frustration from the the fire the the lava somehow that's being blocked by this water elemental so you're um you're looking at 50 feet down to get to the bottom of that riverbed and a hundred or 80 feet uh, north to reach that point where the lava is being obstructed. All right. Yeah. I'll head that way. 
I'll uh, double move. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So you start moving down. There's like some um, like switch backs on the side of this riverbed that you can navigate. At this point, your righteous might and divine power uh, would all have worn off. And your haste, of course. And then Casimir. All right. Um, yeah, keep going down the stairs. Do these, like, jackknife or, like, how are they set up? Yeah, so, like, there's a stairwell leading down and then it meets at a landing mm. where stairs go up and reach the lip further down from where you are. So, okay. like a V shape. From that landing, then uh, a stairwell goes down, meets another landing, and does another split and then an down that you'd finally reach the platform i see what you're saying all right yeah so i guess i'll just double move all right so uh you move along and now you've gotten to a point where you can look over that you know that that island and see what's going on there and that is an inspiring view because it's got hundreds of um individual forges hmm. hundreds and um it's got Tracks in the floor for carts to move, uh, you know, materials and finished products. You can see along the wall, um, now that you've got a better view, that they've got some sort of apparatus set up that uh, it's hard to tell from where you are how it works, but it's clearly a sort of conveyor system that would move items up to the top of the lip. Right, without having to be carried by a person or an animal. There are these um, lining the outsides of this island are these enormous. I mean, the closest thing you've ever seen that they look like would be sort of like a silo, mm. right? Uh, they're enormous uh, steel cylinders. And you could see from the top of the lip that the top of them is um, open. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing's happening with them right now, but uh, they're huge. And it's hard to tell what those would be for if you don't know much about forging, but they're involved in some way. And they're huge, and they seem to be made out of seamless steel, like like the whole apparatus. But as you get down to the last landing and the last set of steps, you can see that all along the edge of this um, island, there are massive wheels. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? A gear, sort of gears, but the, like a um, uh, like a grind, like a mm. um, millstone, mill wheel, like that thing Conan pushed around <laughs> for twenty years to get strong. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So there's like four on each side of this island, spaced out, and these wheels have f four spokes each and at, and they're not moving now but at each of those spokes standing still and in and and, and not moving at all are um, large stone golems mm. and wrapped around each of these golems are like it, it looks like it looks like energy at first and as you get a better view you can see some features that make you think they're snakes of some sort. And then you realize that they're snakes composed of electricity mm. and air. And that's when you 
you notice that they're air elementals wrapped around these. Somehow, they've got their fangs sunk into these golems, and somehow that's doing something. It's keeping them from moving. At Binding them. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what you look down on now um, as you reach that last landing. Okay. Uh, Rohan. Yep. <clears throat> so I'll go to move to the first door and kind of listen at it to see what's on the other side. We'll start with the one on the left. Okay. There's the listen. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. So you put your ear to that door and um, you hear well enough to know, note that there is some space between you and the speaker, but now you can definitely hear the speaker and there are two voices and you can actually make out some of the words. So uh, the one voice you definitely recognize is the beholder. And he is saying, um, if then it's, um, I don't think he, and then it's muffled, but if he were dead, and then the other voice is like, really, uh, I don't know the word now, it's escaping me, but it's like, but master, you could destroy him. And then the beholders, you fool, we have to finish this hurry. It's our last chance. I've overextended myself. Master, you're the most powerful. And uh, so they're arguing about something. And over that, you can hear the sound of bubbling. All right. So I'll try and do a, a move silently to unlatch the door so that it's not open, but it can swing freely. Okay. Um, and try not to be heard while I do it. I won't actually open the door, but I'll get it to a point that I can just like push it open. Yeah. You're able to do that. It doesn't make a sound. Okay. Um, yeah, and then I'll prepare for next round to basically kick it open while still being able to draw my bow. Okay. All right. So, Graham, you continue along this, uh, tunnel and you're going faster and faster now without a lot of effort. And that's when you notice then that there are a couple of water elementals, uh, on either side of you pulling you along. You look over at them and you instantly recognize them. You feel a kinship for them, right? You feel a friendliness toward them and realize that they're they're helping hurry you along, though for what purpose, you can't tell. Um, so in almost no time at all, through more twists and turns than you could possibly retrace, you find yourself looking up above you into a lighted room. Um, the angle you are you're deep enough that you can't see anything. It could, it looks to you like sort of like a well. You're looking up from inside a well. So it's got that stone wall and you can see light and you can see a, a, a wooden ceiling with, with beam, you know, cross beam up above and some light coming from somewhere. Um, but that's what you can see right now. Yeah. I'll move up towards it. Okay. <clears throat> I can press against it. Yeah, so you reach the surface of this water, and your head breaks through, and it's f five feet up to the edge of the well. And he, as soon as your head breaks that surface, you start to hear talking. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I'll freeze there and get some good old eavesdropping going. Yeah, so you can hear that boulder talking in there. And he says, um, he's saying, if, uh, if, if he knows about this place, he'll kill me. He'll kill us. He'll kill all of us. Um, we have to hurry. And then some toady saying, but master, no one can stand up against you. 
<laughs> you're the most powerful. And uh, the, like the beholders, like be silent, but you can actually hear the pleasure in his right. voice. <laughs> like he's, you know, he's so egotistical that, that he's, he likes hearing that sort of thing, even if he, he is frightened. And uh, you can hear a bubbling, a boiling sound coming from out there, too. But that's what the beholder repeats. It's, hurry up, we have to finish this. And then that toady voice is like, are you sure it's ready? It'll have to be. Well, I'll wait the rest of this round just to hear what they say, and then I'll try to act the next round. Next round. All right. <clears throat> Fenrith, you make your way to the bottom there, and now you're looking down the riverbed, and you can see that uh, elemental, it's huge, blocking that fire. And at this vantage point, as you look down the riverbed towards it, you see there are um, four others, not in the shape of a portcullis. These are in the shape of, um, you know, vaguely humanoid, but clearly formed of water. Um, a little bigger. Well, they're about as big as you are when you have righteous might cast on you or um, whatever the other one is. And... uh and they're lined up in that bottom of the riverbed, a few feet away from that portcullis, facing towards you. All right. So how how far away is the portcullis shaped one? You're about fifty feet away now. All right. So I'll uh, I'll double move again. That'll put me ten feet away. Okay. All right, um, Casimir. All right. So now. Um, you're at that last set, uh, that last staircase that leads to the floor of that uh, island. Okay. And you've seen these um, air elementals wrapped around these golems at those wheels. But as you reach the bottom, you can see that there is uh, there's something in the center, the very center of this island that you couldn't see from any other vantage point. And now you can see that it's uh, a large pipe that comes out of the floor a few feet. It's it's big enough in diameter that you could easily pass through it, but it has a bend to it and uh, stretches. Um, it 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 has a, a juncture and and it goes in all four directions. Okay. Um, east and west, it doesn't go very far before it uh, narrows down to. Um, much smaller and disappears back into the floor. But um, north and south, it reaches almost the edge and then splits each direction into smaller pipes that then lead to the base of those massive cylinders that I told you about. And uh, wrapped around and in and uh, on the center where that pipe comes out of, the island floor is a whirling, you know, air elemental. It's huge. And um, so that's what you see as you come to the bottom of the steps. Okay. What would you like to do? <laughs> um, I guess I'd like to try to get an idea of how this might work, this forge. Okay. <clears throat> I don't know what you'd want me to roll. Uh, yeah. What skills you got? Well, I got uh, various spellcraft and knowledge arcana. I also got uh, perhaps hero craft, maybe, <laughs> but that's about it. Mm, let's see. 
Also just got flat intelligence. Yeah, so what we'll do is give me a intelligence, and then I'll, I'll add what's appropriate to it. All right, here. you want it in the tower or just roll? Yeah, in the tower. Yeah, but yeah, the basic idea is just get an idea of where to start when it comes to getting this back up and running. Okay. All right, so with that roll and, you know, some of your your arcane knowledge, um, you what you guess then is that obviously that pipe, um, that lava is fed through there and mm-hmm. it goes to those cylinders. Um, and obviously that's being blocked. Okay. So that seems important because those cylinders have, you know, down from this level, you can see that um, they do have smaller, very small pipes from each of them that that um, disappear into the floor, but sort of at a at a bend, so that they would travel just below the surface in different directions towards those forges. Mm-hmm. Also, as you look at these wheels and the golems. Um, the coming out of the top of that wheel is massive um what looks to you like spools of copper wire okay and then rods that that jut out from the top of that and disappear they don't they don't disappear they they rise up and they bend as needed to um to place themselves above the cent- center of those cylinders okay who who knows what that's for, but it seems important, and obviously they can't work. And now another thing you know for sure is, wow, that's a lot of stone golems, which are exceptionally difficult to make mm-hmm. and take forever to make and are expensive to make, and they, they take spells. It's just an enormous – and you can't – like you wouldn't even be able to do it unless you found the proper instructions for it, and there's – a lot, a lot of stone gold. Yeah. So that's pretty incredible all by itself. Yeah. So that's what you're able to determine. Okay. All right, Rohan. Okay. So as I prepare, I'll knock two arrows to my bow, push open the door with my foot, and draw to fire at the beholder as the door swings open. All right. So you push that door open with your foot, and you put the arrows to your bow. And then you look into a room, square room, 30 by 30. On the uh, eastern wall are large windows that look out into that yard where that pond is. And on the southern wall is a door. Otherwise, this room is empty. Now, that door is iron barred like a cell door. And you can clearly hear the voice coming from in there and the bubbling sound, whatever it is. But you don't see any any anybody you can just hear him talking and the beholder continues to say we have to hurry because he will destroy us um even i can't stand against him because of your failure and then that's but what how did i fail i've been here the whole time and then that other voice is saying i don't know if it's ready we've been working on this a long time well it has to be ready it's our last chance okay um yeah i'll I'll move as far as I can into the room then. Yeah, you can get to that door. Okay, then I'll move up to that door. Yeah, so uh, from there you can peek around and you can see a slightly narrower room than the one you're in. But this room is, um, it's got really long tables full of alchemical 
um, substances, beakers, um, different colored liquids everywhere. Uh, you can see, you know, what you would consider to be spell components, mushrooms and fungi and toads and worms and all manner of things such as that on these big tables. And, um, those, those two tables split the room down the middle and you can see the people talking, the beholder and a, um, uh, an elf dressed in robes, you know, much like the sorcerers. And that's where they're talking at one of those tables. Now, on the southern wall, you can see these massive glass glass cages, I guess, and glass tubes, say, okay. of of some sort of substance that's not that's certainly not only water. It gives off an odd, sickly um, glow, and floating in there, suspended in those are elves that uh you know they're they're naked and they're floating in there and there are lots of small what look to you like hoses made of an odd substance that are hooked into the side of those and you can see some liquid coming through each of those hoses into the water and it's creating this odd this odd glow and a distortion so you can't make out their features very well um now there's some something on that table that they're by um, that's giving off some heat somehow, and it's and it's it's got multiple little platforms with vials sitting on them of different colors, and it's bringing them up to a boil. And then that, uh, as you peek around that corner, that's when you see that that elf sorcerer. He's taking those vials and dumping them into a larger um, vat that that has those hoses attached to each of those. Okay. So whatever they're doing, they're, they're putting some substances into that. And also this beholder is not, none of his eye stocks are looking your way, but a few of them are firing rays of some sort at those, um, large glass cages, whatever you'd call them. Okay. So that's what you see. And then, um, Graham, you, you hear that same conversation. So, you know, for sure it's that beholder. Yeah. So I was going to activate the water walking on my ring and get on the surface. Cause you said it was like five feet above the surface of the water. Yeah. And see if there's any way I can get out of here carefully. Okay. Oh, also Rohan, you, you did see that there looks to be a well in this room on the West Southwest corner. Okay. All right, Graham. So you peek out and you see everything I just described. Um, so on the northeast corner of the room, you see a, a cell door that leads out and you can see windows on the eastern wall looking out over a yard uh, that's got trees and shrubs and a pond. Um, and then about five feet away from you is a door set into the southern wall. It's closed. Now, uh, both of you also notice that there are massive chandeliers hanging from the ceiling that give the light in this room. They're huge. They're like, you know, 20 feet in diameter. So yeah, that's what you see, Graham. And you can see the people taught the beholder and that, um, sorcerer, but make a hide check because the beholder is looking in your direction now. Okay. Yeah. doesn't seem like they've noticed you. Yeah. Well, hang, 
here for now already uh, move action for perhaps the if I see an opportunity where the beholder is not looking this way <laughs> to try to slip out from this well. Okay. So, um, yeah, so you're you're hiding down there, standing on the top of the water. And that's where we're going to stop for today. <laughs> and you all reach the next level. Nice. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, so, thanks, Brandon. Go ahead and level up, and I will modify your equipment to be as it ought to be for next game session. This has been a Death Watch production. Thank you for listening. Thank <music> you.